This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, June 6th, 2019, Class of 2000 edition. Mm. This is a fun year, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. It's only because, uh, I mean, I don't think any of us understand what we really think about this year. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. It's one of those interesting weeks where we're not coming in with our own preconceived notions about how this podcast is supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And that's nice because this game has turned into a contentious battle, I would say. (laughs) At times. Not all. It's every once in a while. Yeah. Which is, is all well and good. But I think this week, we just nominated six movies that we both kind of like, I think, for the most part. Um, and I don't have a strong opinion about what should win, and neither do you. No, not yet. There's only, like... I mean, there's a few that I love on this list, but I they... In the realm of, like, uh, like strong feelings of, of a movie, if you were to, like, rank, like, uh, levels of love for a movie, there, it's... Honestly, all these are fairly, like, low, with the exception of one for me. Yeah. There's a lot of movies that I like. There are not many that I love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and by the way, that goes across the board. There are a lot of very good movies that came out this year. And I found that uh, researching the year a yeah. bit when I put together my list of honorable mentions. Um, it was a shockingly good list. Yeah. The honorable mention list. Um, but I don't think that necessarily means there was any greatness that we saw. We have to note, by the way, that you made a little bit of a change. I did. So I'll read the six movies that we will be discussing on today's program. They are X-Men, American Psycho, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memento, Gladiator, and Almost Famous. If you listen to last week's podcast, you will be questioning why Castaway is not on this list. It's because uh, I decided to swap in Memento at the last minute. Cheap bastard over here. I'm in the business of making good podcast. Adam. Uh, is that what it takes? Yeah. You have to you have to betray a great film and swap it out with this other film. I am only in it for the fireworks. And I think this is a good way to get some fireworks. You hate fireworks. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> I like verbal fireworks though. Oh, okay. I like some spice in my podcast. So we should just scream profanities at each other the entire Don't way we through. already? I suppose. I mean, we don't go that bad. We're we're nice gentlemen. Yeah, we're congenial most <laughs> times. I, mm. I just thought, you know, you don't like Memento that much. I like Memento. I may not like it more than Castaway, but it would definitely make for better podcast fodder. That's all. Fair. Okay. So there's your there's your six movies. Um, and before we get to them and induct one of them into the Movie Hall of Fame, I have some facts about the year 2000. Of course you do. Highest grossing movie of that year, Mission Impossible 2. Hmm. The worst Mission Impossible movie. Like, by far the worst Mission Impossible. That movie sucks. <laughs> Isn't the girl from Westworld, like, the romantic interest in that? Yeah. Tandy actually. Newton. Is that her name? I think so. Yeah, that movie is absolutely ridiculous. John Woo. Yeah, I mean, ugh. John Woo, like, I'm so conflicted on that guy. I'm not. I think I know exactly how I feel about John Woo. Uh, no, 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 no. Not like that. Like, I know I know what John Woo is about. Right. I know all the, the levels and layers to John Woo. I, it's just, do I like that about him? I don't know. I'm, I No, I like it in certain contexts. Sure. I like it when it comes to face-off. 
Face Off is something else altogether, though. It exactly. Does, it doesn't even it doesn't fit any blocks for me at all. It's its own separate thing. When I'm judging movies, everything is is separate from Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> That's something else altogether. Following Mission Impossible Two, you have Gladiator, Castaway, What Women Want, recently remade into What Men Want. <laughs> Hey, I don't mind what women want, by the way. I like Mel Gibson reading the minds of women. It's Never great. saw it. Never saw it. Do you think Mel Gibson can really read the minds of women? Well, I don't think he would have had that rant on the telephone if he knew what his wife was thinking. Maybe. That's an excellent point, Nico. <laughs> I don't think he would have screamed <laughs> racial profanities. <laughs> and she took my Laker tickets! <laughs> if he knew what women were thinking. Well, he was drunk. We've got to give him some credit. He was drunk, so maybe his mind control powers were a little off. My favorite line of the Mel Gibson tape is when... Is it his wife or his girlfriend he's talking to? I thought it was his girlfriend. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, is when the girlfriend makes like a point, and it's like a decent point, and he's in the middle of his rage. like He's screaming all these profanities and shit. And then she says something, and he goes, What? Like he was like caught off guard by what she said. And it was just like he broke the rant for a second. Just be like, wait, what? I love it. <laughs> you said something smart. <laughs> yeah. That two hour tape. I listened to every second back in the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Took my Laker tickets. I find that shit so uncomfortable. It's the best. It's so uncomfortable. I can't. I, I see real life stuff like that is just really difficult for me. Every time it's all, like like the Christian Bale rant. I, oh, yeah. I, that one was uncomfortable. I, yeah. I genuinely have trouble listening to stuff like that. Something about Mel Gibson, though. It was funny. I don't know why. I love Mel Gibson. Okay. I'm sorry. I love Mel Gibson so much. Sorry you feel that way. Um, <laughs> interesting year at the Oscars. Your nominees for Best Picture are Chocolat. 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 Chocolate, you mean? You got to be very sexy when you say that, Nico. Chocolate. I know Hershey you, chocolate. I know you can do it, Nico. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Barakovich, Traffic, mm. and your winner, Gladiator. Gladiator cleaned up at the Oscars that year. Interesting Best Director. I love this list. And it's like, an, I cannot believe the voting shook out this way. So Ridley Scott, Stephen Daldry, Ang Lee nominated, mm. along with Steven Soderbergh twice. He was nominated for both Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> he doesn't split his own vote. He wins Best Director for Traffic. Really? Even though Traffic oh, that's didn't right. win Best Picture. It's very strange. So not so- only does the rare Best Picture, Best Director split happen, but... He also beats himself in the best director category. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Good for you, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Shows you his powers in Re- the early 2000s. And Ridley Scott still has never won an Oscar. Crazy. Okay. Can't believe he didn't win that year. That's Yeah, nuts. I know. It is kind of strange. Best actor goes to Russell Crowe. Uh, Julia Roberts wins best actress for Aaron Brockovich. I think one of the best female performances of all time. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Benicio wins best supporting actor for Traffic. And Marsha Gay Harden wins Best Supporting Actress for a movie called Pollock. Which is very good. Really? Very good. Who's in that besides her? Uh, Ed Harris's Jackson Pollock. Oh. It's actually, I think it's actually quite good. Cool. <laughs> never, I never even crossed my plate before. That's it, crazy. It needs to have a purpose, Jackson. Yeah, well, then you paint the funkin' thing. <laughs> I like that line. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah, it's a great line. I, I don't know what it means. It has to have a purpose, Jackson. He's, he comes out of the bathroom with with a cigarette, chucks it on the ground. Yeah, well, then you paint the fucking thing. 
Ed Harris. <laughs> he is so awesome in that. I'll give Pollock a watch. I've never seen it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think it's under. It's not like amazing or anything, but it's. I think it's uh, one of those good like unseen movies. Oh, good. Okay. Honorable mentions that year. Again, like a really good list, not like a great list, but like ten movies that I love are here. Mm-hmm. Here you go, Boiler Room, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's it's like. Glengarry Glen Ross on Wall Street. That's basically what the movie is. Never seen it. Yeah. Ben Affleck is in it as like the Alec Baldwin role for like five <laughs> minutes. Okay. It's, it's literally the same role. Interesting. He's, he's like the corporate executive that comes and talks to the trainees and he gives them the whole you needs brass balls to sell yeah. real estate. Just yells in so them. many words. Good Vin Diesel performance in Boiler Room. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I like it. Okay. Fun movie. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, of course. Julia Roberts is incredible in that movie yes like, I agree. so good that was actually a tough one for me i really love that movie i wanted it on there too for sure um small time crooks good woody allen movie oh this is one that you've told you've uh, been telling me to see it for a while now i i have not seen it yet. fun little yeah. comedic caper okay yeah underrated high fidelity <laughs> i like high fidelity yeah i like cusack in it i like jack black in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think the movie's actually really good it's one of my brother's favorite movies actually yeah it's really it's actually uh yeah that's a, damn you know i really like high fidelity that and almost famous are sort of in my head like this. like they occupy the same space just because they're both musical related and yeah. um they're both kind of quirky comedies but also dramas yeah which is the more like more pathetic one <laughs> Oh, oh, uh, High Fidelity. High fidelity oh, yeah. by far and away. Yeah. Almost Famous has a happy ending, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, in any case, Almost Famous sort of took that spot for me on the nominated list. Uh, chicken Run? <laughs> chicken love? Run. I love Chicken Run. Yeah. I love Chicken Run. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yes, I know. It's like it's it's like a childhood favorite of mine. And uh, maybe a year or so ago, we threw it on, and I'm like, damn, this is a good movie. Mel Gibson is so good in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did the chicken lose his Laker tickets? <laughs> uh, you also got Scary Movie came out that year. Not like a great movie, but an important one. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's uh, maybe the last decent spoof movie until you get Walk Hard, which is very good. Oh, interesting that you consider that a spoof movie. Walk Hard? Yeah, that movie's a little more than a spoof movie. What do you mean? That's like a man having a mental breakdown movie. <laughs> That's what that is. Uh, Bamboozled, good Spike Lee movie, underrated. Meet the Parents? Yeah, that's a good one. I Have Nipples, Greg, Can You Milk Me? <laughs> one of the most rewatched movies on the list for me. Requiem for a Dream, of course. Have you seen Requiem for a Dream? I haven't. I haven't. I couldn't, I couldn't let you sit through that one. Thanks. It's a, and here's the thing. It's a great movie. It's very well made. It's it's. I would almost say it's it's got quite the legacy. But oh boy, that's like that's putting you through one of the worst <laughs> nightmares you've ever had. Just sitting through. I like. I was like, Nico, I hate you, but I don't hate you that much. <laughs> I made you watch Ron. <laughs> yes, Return I'm, of the Living Dead. Yeah, you could take a break. You don't need to watch Requiem for a Dream. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Yeah. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, which I don't love. Like, you guys, like, it seems like every time that's brought up on the podcast, whether it's uh, this one or why is this a thing, it's like, oh, the Grinch is great. I'm like, is it? I mean, I... No, it's not, but it's nostalgia. That's all. Yeah. I just grew up watching that. Mm -hmm. Unbreakable? Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid movie. When M. Night could direct. It's a year after the success. I know. What a run. Jesus. And then came The Village, right? 
<sighs> I don't hate the village. What came? Oh no! Did signs come before the village? Uh, I think signs. Okay. Yeah. Snatch, which is a movie I really like. Fun one. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the top six. No. Castaway just missed the cut. Wilson. Just no, no, no. It makes the cut. You just chose to be a bastard. Yeah. I would argue Castaway is better than X Men, though. So. Oh yeah. Not... The only reason I nominated X Men is because it's uh, maybe a more important film to talk about. I'm with you. Oh, brother, where art thou? Now that is one of the most underrated Coen Brothers films, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I was just watching it the other day, and my dad is like, this movie is so fucking weird, but why do I like it so much? (laughs) The songs in that movie are so good. Mm -hmm. You realize that soundtrack won the Grammy for Best (laughs) Album that year? What? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All Which right. is crazy. Like Fair. there are good folk songs in that, and they were originally written for the movie. Interesting. The one that they record, where Clooney records at mm. the, at Stephen Root's radio station, yeah, is he, tremendous. I am a man <laughs> of constant sorrow. <laughs> I've seen so- trouble <laughs> all my days. It's good stuff. And then traffic, which you don't love, but I like. Another, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like it. Okay. <laughs> I hate those times where it's like, yeah, I like it. It's fine. I like Aaron Brockovich better. That's the only problem. I was, I, when I first saw Traffic, though, oh, God, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not even a, a matter of debate. But yeah. no, I think when I first saw it, uh, traffic i was like at a really like low point in my life and it just <laughs> did not help at all the drug smuggling movie was not every, uh, every not what the doctor ordered every single storyline whether it was michael douglas's storyline his daughter uh benicio del toro i mean don Cheadle and his partner i just everything i was just like okay this movie's just really getting me down it's a little bit of a downer yeah, it's yeah. A, it, so maybe if i saw it again i'd feel differently but yeah national film registry one movie made it in. Take your best guess. It can't be traffic. No. Uh, One more guess. Is it any of our nominees? Yes. Hold on. Let me see this. Memento. Correct. <laughs> Stir in the pot. Mm. National Film Registry. The straw that stirs the drink will be memento this week. In its first year of eligibility, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) (coughs) That is perfect. (coughs) I just choked on my drink. I see that. That's what memento will do to you. Okay. Uh, Let's get right into it with a movie called X-Men. A little movie called X-Men. A little movie. Not important. No one really remembers it. Did pretty it. well. I mean, didn't like do tremendous at the box office. Was number nine that year. Sure. But I mean, did totally fine and set off an era of superhero movies that uh, for good or for ill, I guess, is what you would say. Yeah, I would probably say for ill if, yeah. we, if we add it all up. Sure. Directed by Brian Singer, starring Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, James Marsden, Halle Berry, Anna Paquin... So forth, so on. You know the X-Men. In a world where mutants, evolved, super-powered humans, exist and are discriminated against, two groups form an inevitable clash, the Supremist Brotherhood and the Pacifist X-Men. This uh, went on to win 
zero Grammys, mm-hmm. but a lot of technical <laughs> awards. Um, Grammys, zero Oscars. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I got uh, Oh Brother on my mind. And, uh, you know, a ton of technical awards. Set off an era of multiple sequels, a franchise that I think is up to about 12? Now? Something like that? Uh, probably pretty close at this point. The next installment, Dark <laughs> Phoenix, yep. will be released next week. So it is very timely. You nominated it. Tell me why. Well, uh, well, before X-Men, you have a... Well, it's kind of a f- complicated history with superhero films because you... You kind of, I mean, there's some like early, like, like weird B movie stuff. You have like the Adam West Batmans, but it doesn't start to become a thing until like Superman. Yeah. But the problem is then people take that and run with it and you get like the Roger Corman, uh, um, Fantastic Four movies. Oh, right. Which are like awful or a shitty Spider-Man and no a shitty- No one even talks about no, those. No, Those are good, like- For good reason. <laughs> they've been stricken from the record. God, those movies are just- just turds all of them yeah but but you know and then there's like a bad spider-man there's a bad captain america and again there's i think there's a little bit of a resurgence with batman sure and it's kind of goes on the upswing a little bit and but again still not it's not like a business like it is now and the the precursor to this is actually a film called blade right which made people like okay maybe we can make these and it it doesn't necessarily need to be a full-on joke Right, you know, and even though the movie is kind of stupid, you know there there's there's some you know fairly good cinematic appeal going on here. You need to look at it in that context too. Yes, like comic oh, books God, yeah. are inherently silly, and it takes a while to move away from that silly. You know? No, exactly. Yeah, you have to wait until Dark Knight. This shit takes its time. So, like, I would consider X Men a fairly straight telling of that story. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. But I also oh, also wanted to wanted to say, yeah, uh people forgot about Blade even though it's one of the first uh popular superhero films and it stars a black man. That's true. That's a good point. So, Everyone's going crazy about Black Panther. Did you forget a, 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 a what's his name? Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. What is he up to by the way? Nothing. Nothing. I'm shocked he didn't have a role in Black Panther. Have you ever seen Patton Oswald talk about him in the third Blade movie? No. Funniest thing I've ever heard in it's my life. It's a stand-up life. routine. No, he goes on like uh, like the what Ed something. It's a that Ed. God, he's like not funny at all. Ed McMahon. No, no, it's like a, t- a talk show guy who who you know was on Funny or Die and did Batman. Okay, I don't know, but he goes on this talk show and just talks all about how crazy that movie is, and he talks specifically about Wes- Wesley Snipes and how. He was like, yeah, you could not refer to him as Wesley or Wes. You had to call him Blade. <laughs> <laughs> He's going method with fucking Blade. Dude, not only the original Black Panther, the original Heath Ledger, turns out. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Exactly. Underrated. You know, you go to knock on his trailer and then he'd open the door and just like like plumes of smoke would fall out of that thing because he'd just be token up in that. It just, oh. Right. So Spider-Man comes out 2002? Yeah. Okay. So two years before, it's the first mainstream Marvel movie, not including the trashy fare of the 80s and the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about the Batman movies, like the Tim Burton ones, is I always considered those more Tim Burton movies than than comic book movies. Yeah, I agree. You know, they were very much his style, and it, it just so happens that those characters and that world fit nicely into his sensibility. Mm-hmm. So I consider X-Men to be the first of this modern era, which is you're just going to take a comic book 
and you're going to tell it in a compelling way and it's going to stand up there right next to Gladiator as a mainstream blockbuster. Yeah. This is basically the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's certainly flawed. Oh, God, yeah. The more times I see it, the more flaws that I can point out. Um, none of these characters have truly figured out, uh, or none of these actors have truly figured out what their characters are supposed to be. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackman is a long way away from the Logan that we see oh, in that third solo movie. Even Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are still queuing their performances. They're turned up to 11 in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely love Patrick Stewart in Logan. So oh, it took him a while to find his voice. But that's what happens with comic book movies. Um, they improved greatly between X-Men and X2, in my opinion. I think X2 is by far and away the superior movie. It's one of the best X-Men movies. Oh, yeah, by far. Yeah. But this is it's more important here because in, before, before X-Men, they're... They're kind of like simple entertainment. There's not really much going on other than go to the theater, have fun with these wacky characters. But this is kind of the first one to actually at least attempt to say something. Sure. And especially because, I mean, X-Men, as we've talked many times, are sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the superhero genre. Yeah. No one no one really likes them except for the, I mean, they do. Well, but they don't follow it with the same veracity. Yeah, they follow everything yeah, else. Yeah. There's not the same amount of love. But for those who do love it, see that there's something kind of really special going on there. Right. Well, well, same. Well, because that theme is born out of the comic books. Yes, exactly. This has always been a part of the history. Yeah. It's always sort of been an allegory for segregation, and equal rights and gay rights and that kind of thing. Yeah. You can sort of just yeah fit whatever cause you want into that Trojan horse. The X-Men represent the outsider. Yes. And the rejects. And God, how many stories can you think of that represent that same theme? Oh, yeah. Those always end up being the most compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, and the island of misfit toys. Yeah. Like, it's always easy to root for the outcast because it's so easy to see a part of yourself in the outcast. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so I think that is why it's held a special place in my heart, but also because these movies allowed themselves to experiment Mm -hmm. and i think i respect that more than i do say the marvel cinematic universe which has like delicately plotted out the next 10 years of story and it it all seems to be in the service of something bigger and not necessarily in the service of trying new things you know marvel it's always been about getting the gymnastics routine right yes x-men it's just you know I'm going to go for the double backflip <laughs> and it may not work, but that'll help me improve for the next go around. Mm-hmm. So they've scrapped the timeline multiple times. They've done retconning an entire movie days of future past. The end of that movie is a massive retcon. So yeah. the, the whole reason that that movie exists is to retcon the last six movies, <laughs> you know, X-Men origins, Wolverine, terrible. Oh, really God. Bad. Oh my God. Is that movie bad? Last stand. Not good. Like, I embraced even Apocalypse was a gorgeous mess from a few years ago. I hated X-Men Apocalypse. But then you have stuff like First Class Mm. and Days of Future Past, X2, Logan, which I think are collectively better than anything the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever done, if I'm being frank. Logan's my favorite superhero film. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite to me. I think it's the best, to be completely honest. But no, these movies feel, most of them anyway, feel more like films than anything you get out of the MCU. Right. I mean, the fact that, I mean, it's funny you say that about the 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 series that can actually take risks. I mean, literally, that's uh, this is the series that birthed Deadpool. Right. Which kind of culminates all of that. <laughs> great, great point. And yeah. I hate the Deadpool movies, but I respect them for what they're going for. Let sure. me say that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an important movie. It's certainly an important yes. movie. 
Dated. Very dated. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I prefer X2 a lot more. I think the fight sequences in X2 are more smartly choreographed. Um, I think the performances are a little more nuanced. The original just feels very goofy, looks very goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't... I guess I'm having a hard time recalling a specific fight scene. Whereas yeah. I look at X2... And I remember that White House sequence. Oh, yeah. Where, the opening scene for that with yeah, Nightcrawler. With Nightcrawler popping into yeah. the Oval Office. Great and, stuff. You know, the, the visuals of Ian McKellen. Is it part two where he constructs the bullet from like the, the iron in his food? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's when, uh, yeah, they... Uh, Mystique uh, like, like starts trying to hook up with this guy in the bathroom and then she like knocks him out or whatever and then she takes a liquid iron and pumps it into his blood. Right. And then, he, the, of course, the guard goes in, like, here's your food, and then uh, Magneto stops him and, like, sucks it out of him. Is that part two? I think yeah. it's part two, right? It is part two, yeah. So I, I'm just having a hard time judge, judging this movie in a bubble and not comparing it to what came after, but I still respect what it went for, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's I no I think it's actually I think it's a good movie I think it's a solid film there's yeah just, I agree there's a few details that don't hold up especially in that third act at the at the uh, the Statue of Liberty I mean although there is a decent amount of emotional heft to this and again like if I'm comparing this one to previous uh, superhero films it's a significant step up yeah. I mean to me it's not even close although I love like one one thing about this movie is that it's got one of like my like one of my favorite like images. In film, that's always stuck with me as a kid. It's like one of the one of, you know something that like will never leave my head, and it's the actual reveal of Wolverine as Wolverine's oh, right. claws yeah. when it comes out, uh, like two at a time, and then the one that just goes straight up to the dude's throat. Yeah, I just love that little touch. <laughs> but honestly, that's more uh, that's more memorable than any fight scene in the movie. Yeah, so I agree. X Men, good one, important one. Yes, is it going to be the winner? I'm not so sure. Mm, we'll see. We will see. Next on the list, American Psycho, a nominee of mine. Should have been a nominee of mine. <laughs> Even it's a movie that I love. It's a movie that I love. Are you yeah. kidding? I fucking love this movie. Directed by Mary Heron, who did nothing else of note. Is that right? She just came out with a movie. Just came out with a movie about Charles Manson. Charlie Says. Yep. Not great reviews for that one, as I'm seeing. Yep. Yeah, did a bunch of TV stuff since then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, more importantly, written by Brett Easton Ellis, or at least based on the novel by Brett Easton Ellis, yes. an interesting character mm-hmm. in Hollywood, uh, has remained an interesting character for several years afterward. Um, that guy always has a foot in his mouth for some reason, but I love him, and I love how he talks about film and thinks about film. Good podcaster. Brett Easton really Ellis. Yeah, has a really good podcast. Ah. Would recommend checking that out. Starring Christian Bale, Justin Thoreau. Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe shows up, Jared Leto, oh, Jared Leto, you know, American Psycho, yeah, he's... a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent hedonistic fantasies. Mm-hmm. What do you think about American Psycho, nominated for zero Oscars, by the oh, way? God, this movie is <laughs> so Adam, it's not even funny. <laughs> This might be the rare movie where it's so Adam, but it's also so Nico. Yeah. Because I love it, too. Oh, my God. It's so funny and disturbing, and it's that nice blend that you just never, ever, ever get. Uh, Pretty much, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily elevated by the direction, but certainly by the performances. Yeah. And a lot of that is just attributed to Christian Bale in this movie. 
my God, Christian Bale, this movie is having too much fun. It is one of my favorite things that he's ever going to do, I think. There's nothing, I, I mean, I could literally quote this movie all fucking day. Hey, Paul! Hey, Paul! <laughs> Can you do the Huey Lewis monologue? Oh, God. I used to be able to. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll pull that up real quick. It's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, really quick. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. It's, uh, it's kind of a long clip, but let's see. Here it is. Oh, that's a commercial. God. And here we go. This is... You like Huey Lewis on the news? In an apartment with Jared Leto. They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own. Commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Axe in hand. Hey, Alan. Yes, Alan. Why are the copies of the style section all over the place? Do you, do you have a dog, a little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. <laughs> in '87, Huey released this for the most accomplished album. I why, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> man, he's off the chain in oh this movie. God. But it works, man. I mean, it's ridiculous, but, you know, obviously very much the point. Yeah. I mean, just an interesting uh, critique or criticism of that kind of lifestyle or the way American culture was going, in quotes. Sure. Uh, and a lot of funny readings on this movie, as I've seen many, many times before. Yeah. So I want you to talk to me about these. It's it's funny. Okay, everybody I've ever talked to uh, kind of lands on the same notion that he wasn't actually killing anybody in the film. Yeah. Almost everybody. But no one who involved with the film believes that. Wow. Nobody involved. Not even Brett Easton Ellis. Wow. Everyone's like, no, he was killing people. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because even that was confusing to me. I was like, really? All right. Because I... It, it kind of well, okay. reshapes your 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 feelings on the movie in a lot of ways. Well, I go back and forth on it a little bit. Um, I think really what it comes down to is, do you think this is a movie about Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. or do you think it's a movie about us? Well, it's more of a movie about us. And so, for example, the scene where he puts uh, a, a, a murdered Jared Leto in his trunk and the doorman just totally ignores yeah. the fact that there's a dead body in a garbage bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read that as either Patrick Bateman is going crazy, so he's imagining this moment happening, or the doorman is so narcissistic and so obsessed with himself that he ignores the psychos around him. Yes. Right? And now, it could be possible that it's both. And yeah. in many ways, I think that it is both. But the former reading suggests that it 
is going on in in it's not going on in Patrick Bateman's head, and the latter reading suggests that it is going on in Patrick Bateman's head. Mm-hmm. So it's really a thematic question more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. So what do you like take when when the the movie ends? What are you left thinking about the world? Oh God, it's just bleak. I mean, it's supposed to be bleak. I don't. I don't know what I reflect on with myself, though. I guess it's it's interesting that you spend so much time trying to figure this puzzle out in your head, and the ultimate qu- answer is there is no answer. Yeah, and you know, like like our our interest in a man like this. I sure. guess there's a lot to be said about how uh, how invested we actually do get in this guy, and how how much we actually kind of like him. <laughs> oh, I love him, <laughs> but I adore him. <laughs> But but it's another one of those movies that asks you to sort of question yourself after the movie's done. Like, wait, wait a second. Why was I caring so much about this? Why, like, like, if the ultimate answer was nothing, and now that I think about it, I guess that makes sense. Like, why was I, you know, involved in this puzzle so heavily? I don't know. I I mean, I, listen, it's certainly a nihilistic movie. Um, it's a movie that doesn't say such great things about society. There are the, no real silver linings in it. Um, yes, if you're rooting for... Christian Bale that sort of makes you a psychopath but if you're not rooting for Christian Bale then uh, you're ignoring his psychotic behavior and that may be worse Mm -hmm. like that's what the movie suggests Mm -hmm. it's at best you are fascinated at worst you are indifferent true so I you know both are horrors I agree right both are bad things Um, and for some reason I dig it. And maybe just because I find it so funny and so engaging and I find that over-the-top performance to be so compelling, um, I just find this movie endlessly rewatchable and endlessly entertaining. Yeah, it's one of those examples of a movie where even if the subject matter itself is particularly dark and cynical and doesn't necessarily have a good outlook on life in the end, uh, like everything that makes this film what it is is just so like oddly cheerful. Right. It's hard not to have fun watching this one. Right. And like I said, a lot of that is due to the performances and and where the story goes and how just funny it is. It's so funny, man. It's so fucking funny. And it's not only so funny, it's so smart. Mm Mm-hmm. The business card scene is just terrific. Oh, God, yeah. It's terrific. It's some of the best writing I've ever seen in film. It's incredible. And then you step away from it. It's like, wait a second. Were they really arguing about a fucking business card? Which they were, but they weren't. <laughs> Which is screenwriting, man. It's communicating yeah. an idea through something mundane. Mm-hmm. You spend time in a business room, four characters arguing about the mat on their business cards. Look at that subtle off-white color, the tasteful thickness of it. Oh my god, it even has a watermark. Something wrong, Patrick? You're sweating. <laughs> Genius. How do you think that up? I don't fucking know. How do you think that up? <laughs> it's brilliant stuff. It's so brilliant and so hilarious. Um, and it, it's, it doesn't like strike me as on the nose, which is the other miracle of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like a movie that is so over the top and so specific yeah. and so obviously a satire mm-hmm. um, often runs the risk of being a little too on the nose and beating you over the head with its themes. I don't know if it does, though. And I, I certainly don't think it does, which yeah. is the genius of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly love it. I don't know. What is your like perception of its legacy? Mm, I mean, it's. I think it's... <laughs> 
Uh, it's like more quietly popular, if anything. Yeah. I don't know if as many people has have seen this, but like when you talk about it with film nerds, like it's one of our like favorites. Sure. It's like every like most people who have seen this film kind of love it. Even the even like like even like my mom like really likes this movie. <laughs> my dad does. It's it's like it's and it's like you know obviously criti- criticizing a lot of bad characters who are very misogynist, but like even women for some reason like actually enjoy this movie i've i've i don't know a lot of people who don't like it and i I don't know if that makes i don't is it a cult film that's what i was just about to ask you i don't know if it is it's definitely um grown in popularity since it came out on dvd and shit yes so it's one of those movies that has aged nicely Mm -hmm. i think it's a little more prominent than a cult film though i think it's a little more mainstream than that and i also think the misogynistic themes which i'm sure it was criticized for heavily at the time Um, perhaps people have sort of softened up on that because the movie is directed and written by women. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mary Heron and this woman, uh, Genevieve Turner were both involved in the screenplay. So it's definitely a movie about, I hate this word, but toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. it's told through a man's eyes, but it has certain, uh, feminine sensibilities that I think make it forgivable. I mean, that scene with the threesome where he throws a chainsaw oh god on this prostitute from the top of a staircase like that shit wouldn't necessarily fly if Quentin Tarantino was directing it you Not know what like i mean that anyway i don't even think Tarantino would attempt to do something like that cuz it's gruesome and it's exploitative and it's it's very very violent and sadistic but you somehow laugh at it yeah i think because there's a woman's touch we forgive it Sure, sure. And it's like I said, because it's such an obvious criticism of people like that. Maybe in another reading is that people like this who are sort of, you know, the the toxic the toxic masculine man can get away with anything. Sure. That kind of thing, which is something that I've always appreciated. Like people of this like level in society, you know, can kind of do whatever they want and people turn the blind eye to it. But we turn the blind eye not because they're wealthy, but because we just don't care. Yeah. Which is uh, an interesting reading of it for sure. And it's... it's it, uh, certainly exemplified by the fact that people forget everybody in this movie. Sure. Which is a detail I always love, which makes the ambiguity all the more effective. Like, because I remember someone telling me, like, oh, but the guy mistakes him for, uh, or he says that he had dinner with, like, Paul Allen right. just, just one week ago. And, like, so that, you know, makes it so that the, the Patrick was definitely, it was all in his head, right? I was like, yeah, well, what if he mistake Paul Allen again? Right. Like, what if he, it was that, that was just another man that he had no idea was actually someone else? Which is how I read it. Yeah. It's like, oh, maybe he was having dinner with, you know, God only knows who. Sure. Right. That happens all the time. You meet somebody, you see their face, and then you don't remember their face a week later. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't put the name and the face together. Absolutely. And it happens constantly throughout the film. No, my my reading of that has always been that's what's actually happening, Um, which is kind of, in a weird way, comforting. I kind of like when a movie implies that it's all in a character's head, but actually isn't. Um, yeah, <laughs> just because I I often think that it was all a dream is sort of a cop out. Yeah, and no. I like that this movie, or at least the creators, didn't intend for it to be a cop out. Yes, you know, it makes it uh, all the more wor- it, worthwhile. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I don't feel like I've wasted my time watching this. Yeah, there's a lot to mine from it, and a lot to well, you know, there's a the fact that I can you know come up with so many interpretations for it. You know, it's it, it's, it's it's a, a testament a, to the material. I just think it's rich. Sure, I entirely agree. Not a huge Willem Dafoe fan in this movie. But I'm not usually a Willem Dafoe fan. I mean, I kind of like it, though. Okay. Because I like how his performance is cued differently in every scene. Right. And it's and it's deliberately mixed up to the point where he's just, 
you can tell like based on his performance he does suspect patrick and then the next scene he doesn't suspect patrick at all right to make it all the more like deliberately confusing so that you're sort of kind of interwoven in it with patrick and willem dafoe so it's like oh wait a second is he actually crazy or did he actually kill these people or did he not uh it does this guy even suspect patrick right and it just makes the whole thing feel all the more surreal but i think it actually lends nicely to i guess the kind of story that it's telling right so yeah i i I actually quite like the way he's directed in these in these scenes and by the way these are really fun plot debates to have Mm -hmm. like they're a lot more fun than can captain america lift thor's hammer Sure. You know I mean, but the plot is is compelling. That's right. why I enjoy talking but, but about it. But it's also for a reason. They have a thematic implication. These questions have a thematic yes, implication, not just a plot implication. Yeah, it's not for nothing. So these are not normally conversations that you and I have, but I think in this particular case, I embrace the questions a lot more. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Which is why I embrace American Psycho and yep. really enjoy it. It's um, a very good movie. It's a very good movie. And if you have not seen it, it is not for the weak of heart. It's not for those with wheezy stomachs, um, but if you're into movies, you like a laugh, and sometimes you like some dark comedy. Uh, can't get much better than this movie. Did you do this on a movie night? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, ta- I've talked about this movie with Abby before. Yeah, there were three women in the room that had never seen it, and we're just like, yeah, we're going to watch this fun <laughs> movie about a Wall Street banker. Yeah. And then uh, three hookers were murdered, uh, or two hookers, I guess, were murdered after having a threesome, <laughs> where the guy is, like, pointing at the mirror and winking at himself. I know. <laughs> it's like, what? What the fuck is this movie? Yeah, not a great date movie. I'll admit that. Not a great date movie. No, I don't even think, like, Abby dislikes it. She's just like, I don't know what I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. I'm going to let you take the lead on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh. Because this is a movie that I saw not too long ago. I probably saw it... Well, no. No, that was a couple years ago. It was in the wake of whenever Ang Lee won the Oscar. So when did he win for Life of Pi? That was like 2012, right? Let me think. Yeah, that must. That was like... Yes, it yeah. was 2012. That was Argo, right? That was the year... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's a long time ago then. Okay. I take that back. This is like at least five years ago I saw this movie. He didn't win for this. No. He was nominated, did not win. Let me, I let think me... Sam Mendes won, actually. In 2000? No, that would have been 1999, dude. Oh, that's right. American Two, Beauty. Yeah, Soderbergh won. Yeah, okay, that's right. right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so directed by Ang Lee, um, starring a bunch of people you have never heard of because they're all Chinese. A young Chinese warrior steals a sword from a famed swordsman mm-hmm. and then escapes into a world of romantic adventure with a mysterious man in the frontier of the nation. Cleaned up at the Oscars in the technical categories. Oh. One, best cinematography, best music uh, in the original score department, best art direction, and of course, best foreign language film. Also nominated for best picture, best director, best Adapted screenplay, best costume design, film editing, original song. So this was a beloved movie from yeah. both critics and the Academy. And I guess my question to you mm-hmm. is why? <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean it in like in. I, li- I like this movie. I was entertained by it the first time I saw it. But I'm wondering why this specific movie got so much acclaim. What sets this apart from most samurai movies of the decade? Well, there aren't many samurai movies of the decade. Okay. Not one that are coming from people like Ang Lee, who adds such a 
remarkable and just beautiful artistic flair to his movies. Ones that mo- I would say like a lot of movies like this hadn't really experienced as much before. Okay. I mean, I find movies like this to be kind of traditionally like 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 showy but they don't necessarily have as much su- substance as i feel like they could yeah and or sometimes they're even just goofy right and they just don't always work it's kind of a cultural barrier maybe but I've, i have seen movies like this where i'm like eh, like it, it, maybe it's maybe it's just me but it doesn't really i don't know it's it's kind of jarring sure. at times to, to see a style like that but for some well, reason also the style sorry to interrupt you but the like flying around rooftops yeah that was something that certainly at the time I had never seen before mm-hmm. in a movie, and I haven't seen much since. Like, that's just a style that is inherent with this genre. And so if you're coming into this like, oh, this Chinese movie is nominated for Best Picture, and I've never seen another samurai kung fu movie, like, but, that's going to catch you off guard. And but, it did like, for me. But like this, though, like, like Akira Kurosawa does not do this. It's, right. It's a very, you know, it's, it's even more uh, Eastern. <laughs> sure. Uh, but... I I think part of the reason why it's uh why it did as well as it did is because I mean it it's mainstream it's it was yeah a lot of people actually responded fairly well why? to this but again why was it mainstream because it's it's I think it's a wonderful film okay there's something about it that people just responded to and maybe it's coming off the cusp of the Matrix oh maybe because I mean as far as like the the visual style of the fight scenes, there's a lot of similarities going on there. And a lot of people love that at the time, like the gravity defying action sequences that quote unquote, don't make any sense, but cinematically they're very appealing. Okay. And, uh, it, it's the, and I mean, it just helps based on the fact that just this expert level craftsmanship and filmmaking going on here and just a really well told story with some really, uh, sweet characters that I quite love. Yeah. It's a little convoluted if I yeah, remember yeah. correctly. Sure. It's like there's this sword and someone steals the sword and there are like these two almost rival gangs and there's a witch involved yeah. and then there's a love story and on top of it and I do have a hard time following it sometimes but I guess that's just a foreign language thing. Sure. Have, well, did you see? I saw it with the subtitles or, yeah, not, or the, I mean the, the dubbing. No, subtitles. Okay, see I saw it with the, the dubbing and it was, uh, it was a very smooth watch for me. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it e- even with uh, like the convoluted elements that might may or may not be there, I mean... I saw it recently and I thought it was fine. Okay. But I, again, it's like Ang Lee is just a really, really good storyteller aside from uh, like Hulk. <laughs> uh, I would, I don't know. I man. really like Ang Lee. Let me just run down the last 10 years of Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. So he has a movie coming out this year called Gemini Man. Yeah, I know. With Will Smith. Whoa. Yes, I know. Okay. A couple years ago, did a movie called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Oh, yeah. Didn't see it. Could be the worst titled movie of all time. Yes. Apparently not that great. Life of Pi, I like. Me too. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of acclaim for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> a documentary called Taking Woodstock. A movie called Lust. Taking Woodstock is not a documentary. It is. No, it's not. Oh, you're right. It's not. <laughs> Dimitri Martin. Yep. Okay. It's kind of weird. Not good though, right? Eh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Lust Caution. You ever seen that movie? Nope. All right. Uh, then he does Brokeback, which everybody loses their shit about. Which I love. Yeah, it's a great movie. But then you got Hulk and you got Sense and Sensibility mm-hmm. and Chosen. It's like a... The Ice Storm. Might be a little overrated. Nah. That's all I'm saying. Nah. Angley. Tad overrated. I'll go a tad. That's all I'm saying. 
I can't take away anything from this film though because I think it's just I mean I think he understands the genre better than many and many of the other films that he's ever made. I think he's more in, in touch with himself with this as opposed to something like even Brokeback Mountain. Sure. I don't know. I just think it's it's you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't tell a story like this that well and still have it be accessible to so many people because this should not have been as critically acclaimed as it was. Right. It should not have been as mainstream as it was. And it was incredibly mainstream. Yeah. The fact it got nominated for that many Oscars. Yeah. Again, I feel like I know they're not as they're not made as often now, but I feel like there were a number of movies like this. Another great at one. At the time. Well, Hero is another one. Okay. With uh, uh, Jet Li. And that one's actually quite good. But that did that get a lot of Oscar love? No. Probably not, yeah. And there are plenty of movies that come out of China that are insanely popular overseas, but don't have the crossover appeal. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, again, there's I don't I don't not like this movie. I think it's actually very good. And I also think like the storytelling, as you said, if I remember correctly, were more impressive to me than the action sequences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the action, the action sequences are awesome. Yeah. No, they're but, pretty. They're pretty good. But I, I don't, uh, I don't think of this movie as just a visually stunning work of choreography. No, I. Agree. I think of it as more of a movie. Yeah, it feels like just a beautiful painting or, or poetry, though, when you watch right. it. It's just a really, really. It's like an oddly soothing kind of watch, even even when it turns into an action movie. I sure. mean, but I like the. There's a great moment in this movie. Just the, if you want a like a lesson in um, uh, visual storytelling of a character just finding out new information. She uh, one of the the leads is trying to figure out who stole the sword, and one of the ways she could tell is by the way they fight. Okay, the way they move their swords, and then she talks to person uh someone that uh she thinks could be a suspect and she's like write down something for me write your name or oh whatever. right 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 right, she, right 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 yeah yeah she yeah, does yeah the yeah, hand yeah. strokes and there's and not she a, goes oh that's similar to sword fighting isn't it calligraphy kind of, but but it that the, well, that's a line in the it movie, is right? yeah but 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 when you're at when she's actually figuring it out in her head there's not a word spoken she's just kind of just matching shots of her eyes looking down at the the handwriting and the handwriting itself right and just like oh, but you get I, it yeah, i see what she's doing yeah yeah that's a great point little little touches like that i just really like that yeah i also like the use of sound mm-hmm. like when they th- there are many times where they shoot like poison darts at people yeah and the characters catch the poison darts mm-hmm. the it's just all very clean and neat and precise yep and that's um, very soothing. That makes for a very soothing watch. Yes. It's not gritty and rough around the edges, although I prefer something a little more gritty. Um, it's easy to fall into the trance of the movie mm-hmm. um, because of the way that it's directed and the way that it's choreographed and just the little details, not necessarily the big ones. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Very good. I'm, lo- I'm with you. I love this movie. I think it's very good. I don't think like... Again, I, I don't exactly see... What sets the, I don't I wouldn't consider it a masterpiece Nah maybe not I wouldn't well, put that label on it And I think The implication When you nominate it For 11 Oscars And it's a foreign film Is that it's a masterpiece Yeah I don't know It's pretty If honestly In my in my rankings Or the, my criteria It's pretty close If it's not a masterpiece Is it better than Roma? <laughs> yes Okay I think that's really The question isn't it Why We're gonna judge everything Next to Roma <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just saying foreign films that garnered a lot of Oscar love. Most movies are better than Roma. Wow. How dare you? No, I think you're right. It's better than Roma. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the sequel? There's a sequel to Roma? No, Crouching Tiger. Oh, no, I did not. Netflix. 
produced the movie and it like fizzled out into the darkness. Okay. Like who's going to see that? I don't know. It was a popular movie. The sequel came out. Yeah. 2016. It it does not warrant a sequel. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Yeah. See, that just sounds lame. The main woman comes back for it, I guess. I didn't see it either, but. That sounds way too lame for its own good. And Ang Lee, of course, was not involved. Of course. No, it's a very good movie. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you. Will it be the winner? Yeah. I'm open. By the way, if we're judging foreign films, we got to stack everyone next to Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, right. Yeah, but Pan's Labyrinth didn't get nearly as much Oscar love. And that's the problem. How crazy is that? (laughs) Do you know Pan's Labyrinth didn't win Best Foreign Film that year? Yes, I know. How? I'll say it again. Shame on the Academy. Shame on, Shame on them. It, I, what did I, what did, oh, I said, how dare you do that to this movie? <laughs> it's so true, though. God, that movie's so perfect. All right, next. Memento. Mm, we made it. The last minute substitution. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, and some people. Yeah, some people. A man with short-term memory loss attempts to track down his wife's murderer. That's the movie. You go first. What don't you like about Memento? Uh, Well, I mean, I don't like anybody in the movie. Okay. Let me me make that perfectly correct. Not a single person I can get attached to. I don't know if that's necessarily... The point. I don't even know if I if I need it for a movie like this all the time. Uh, I think the problem is that take away the sort of ambitious structure to this movie, I don't see what's so special about this story. Right. So this is my main gripe with you and with other critics because I've heard the same criticism from many places. The movie is told backwards. Yeah, and the other issue is that telling it backwards does nothing for me. Right. I think it's very predictable. And Excuse me? Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those movies where as soon as it starts, I know where it's going. I know exactly where it's going. I know exactly what the twist is. And it's just like, okay. See, I didn't know what the twist was, but I yeah. saw it when I was like 15 for the first time. So I guess I'm not the best judge. Maybe no. now I would have seen it coming. I just I didn't I didn't like hate this movie. I, I still don't hate this movie. I wouldn't even go as far to say that I dislike it. I'm just very indifferent towards it. it to me, it's I sort of walked away very unimpressed by it. It's sort of like I mean, maybe it was how it was built up to me. But I when I remember distinctively when I watched it, my reaction was, "What's the big deal?" Right. I think it's a fine movie. I think as far as the, like everything across the board is kind of okay. It doesn't do a lot of things bad. It does, it's there's not a, a whole lot of like significant flaws, but at the same time, uh, like nothing about it was particularly remarkable to me. The only thing that really stood out was the gimmick of let's tell this in reverse, and you could debate whether or not it's a gimmick. Sure, but yeah, yeah I don't think it is. Yeah, um, it's. Now, okay, I don't know what idea came first. I'm not sure Christopher Nolan said, I want to tell a movie backwards, or I want to tell a movie about a guy with amnesia, short-term memory loss. I wish it was just that. I guess that's my big thing. Yeah. Well, I do think, though, if you're going to tell a story in reverse, this is the right material to tell backwards. Sure. Because it is the closest thing you can... It's the closest you can get to giving an audience the sense of short-term memory loss. Uh-huh. You are learning the story as the character learns the story, mm-hmm. which is 
really clever. And that's why I don't call it a gimmick. It's born out of the material. Yes. Right? So we get that same sensation, and I thought it was incredibly effective the first time I saw it. Granted, I was much younger then. Um, I've rewatched it several times. I think it's super entertaining and atmospheric. I think the filmmaking is actually underrated. It's got a real noir quality to it. I appreciate it more than some of uh, Nolan's more recent stuff anyway. Oh, Be- certainly. Because it's m- it's more honed in on its characters than the spectacle. Sure. Which is which is better to me. Again, like like whether or not you want to debate uh like like how how much merit there is in the structure of this film uh it, it's it to me it's always going to be a thousand times more effective than something like interstellar because it's small it's it's yes yes yeah and i'm with you and even if i even if i don't love the characters in this i can still connect to them more than anything that we were given in interstellar or, okay or even uh or like the dark knight rises for example yes i do like this movie better than both dark knight rises and interstellar so i will give you that I also think that criticism of if you take away the format, if you take away the gimmick, there's nothing there is kind of a cheap criticism. And I've, I've said this time and time again. It's like if you take out this, if you take out Brando from The Godfather, what do you have? Like if, it, like if you take out mm. Robin Williams from Mrs. Doubtfire, what do you have? It's like that's part of the movie. I know. Like you can't. That That's not a. That's not a grievance because that the story comes from the structure. I guess for me, it's like it's not it's not the only like the thing is I, a better example for that would be like like take away Robin Williams from Aladdin. Would sure. Have. Like then it's like, oh, God. Yeah. What do you have? Right. <laughs> but like like Mrs. Doubtfire, I find a lot more things to enjoy in that movie besides Robin Williams, even though he the, the other thing is that Robin Williams kind of is the movie in that in that case. Sure. He represents the mo- the movie more as a whole than anything else in it. So you sort of you, it's it's not exactly the, the My most point fair is of a balance. The performance but, is in the movie, though. It's yes. part of, that. It's no. a part of it. Yes. So but, to say, take it out. Yeah, some movies derive their strength from unusual places, and I think that is what's frustrating about that criticism is that the movie derives its strength from what you consider to be a gimmick but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a right or wrong way to achieve a certain effect sure a movie can be good because of its screenplay and not its acting Mm -hmm. a movie can be good because of its direction and not its cinematography it's like there's no right or wrong way to make a good movie Mm -hmm. so if the story isn't compelling fine you put a gimmick on top of it or you put I'll, I'll call it a stylistic choice on top of it and you enhance the story. Mm-hmm. So there's no right or wrong way to make movies, I guess is my point. <laughs> we, we, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels small in comparison to everything else. I guess my my issue with it is that it's like I'm comparing all elements of this film and there's only like that one detail that I kind of appreciate. But and the detail it, it, enhances the other stuff. Uh, and it doesn't for me. I guess that's my issue. The it's, detail it's, makes Guy Pierce's performance make more sense. It makes the story make more sense. It makes the direction make more sense. It enhances all of that stuff. And I don't know if it does for me. All right. I guess that's my thing. I just again I find the direction fine and I find the performances fine and I find the the visual style kind of okay. And again, it's it's like does does this the does the way it chooses to tell its story does it really enhance those other things for me not really it's like it would play a little better if by a scene by scene basis all those scenes were just that much more on point for me and they're just not it's like okay i mean it's the idea of playing a movie in reverse is cool but 
in execution, how does it really play out? How how does how and does so you so how does each individual scene play next to each other? And for me, it's always very like it, underwhelming. Okay, and I, it's because of the choice to tell it backwards. No, I didn't say no, 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 no. Okay, I'm just saying like I I think when people talk about this movie, the first thing that they say is like it's so cool because it's played in reverse, and I'm like. Well, see, I'm not that way. I I I, I run into that kind of all too often, right. and I just find like no, like I I don't even think about that. I'm just I just take the film from this scene, this scene, this scene, and this scene, and how does it play out for me? It's kind of it's okay. It's I'm not approaching it as the stoner with the memento yeah. poster in their dorm room. That's and that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm yeah. not to say I'm a stoner with a, yeah <laughs> with a memento poster. <laughs> no, but. I'm not. I'm not the guy that's like, whoa, man, what if you told it backwards? The choice still has to make sense, yeah. and I'm with you. On that point, I think in this case it does make sense, and it enhances the cinematic experience. It's not just a cool puzzle. It's not like Westworld, for example, which is barely a TV show. It's just a puzzle for the Reddit community to solve. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why that show exists. I don't view Memento through the same lens. Some people do, and look, I understand the criticism in theory. I just think in practice, I find this to be a compelling movie, mm-hmm. and I revisit it because it's a compelling movie yeah. told in a compelling way. I also would suggest, in terms of impact, and I think the National Film Registry kind of hit the nail right on the head with this, for the next 20 years, there's a lot of like mystery box storytelling that yeah. sprouted up in Hollywood. The whole J.J. Abrams experiment, mm-hmm. from Lost to the Cloverfield movies to Super 8, I think directly influenced by Memento. Sure. Um, something like Westworld, although I don't embrace it. Uh, movies have become puzzle games for audiences, for better or for worse, and this is one of the initial movies to sort of play that game. Yeah. You know, there's a there's an exciting twist at the end. The twist makes you reflect on the movie that you just watched. Um, it, it's like an aha moment, not like a shocking WTF twist, mm-hmm. but a oh, that's why that makes sense twist. Yes, and movies continue to be constructed like that more and more frequently over the next twenty years. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say this is a movie like that doesn't make sense. I don't really criticize it on a narrative level necessarily so much. Yeah. Like I said, it's just a movie like I, I think it just it just kind of falls flat for me. Okay. On 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 most fronts. All right. Yeah. I'm with you. That's where that's. Well, where no, I'm, I'm not with you, but I understand what yeah, you're no, saying. Yeah. It's not. It's not. God, I don't even know where it ranks with my Nolan films. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's high. I always have trouble talking about Nolan. <laughs> I don't know. I'd put it about number three. No. I think I would. God, no. I think it's no. something like Dark Knight and then Inception and then this, I think. Hmm. Looks something like that. I know you have the prestige in there somewhere. Yes, prestige has to be in there. All right. We'll get to the Dark Knight, too. Yes, we will. All right. So Winner what? of Best direct, um, sorry, best Picture that year. Oh, yeah. Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Gladiator. Directed by my boy, kind of, Ridley Scott. Your boy. The chameleon Ridley Scott. <laughs> That's a word. Starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Richard Harris, and Digimon Hansu. <laughs> Winner of Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, Best Visual Effects, and nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, and Best Art Direction. Yep. Cleaned up. Yeah. At the Academy Awards. What is that? 11 nominations? A former general sets out to exact revenge against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. Mm. 
Are you not entertained? Great line. Adam Hall. What? Are you not entertained by Gladiator? Or are you very entertained by Gladiator? Hmm. <laughs> I kind of secretly love this movie. Oh. Yeah. Why secretly? I don't know. I don't know why. That's a good question. For some reason, I'm always kind of scared to bring up the fact that, yeah, I actually really, really, really like Gladiator. Why? Why are you ashamed? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know what it is about the film, but for some reason, it just feels like if I talk about this film uh, within my film bro community, they're going to castrate me. Like, Listen, I, man. Like, yeah, I kind of really love Gladiator. We can be open and honest about this. Okay. I don't say it's perfect. I really like Gladiator too. Okay. All right? Okay. Is that okay? Mm. I nominated it. Okay. I like it. <laughs> I feel no shame for liking it. <laughs> I really like Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, it's a silly blockbuster, sure. sure. And it's not perfect. It's like, good, who cares? It's a good silly blockbuster. Yeah. It's the, awesome. The direction is a little silly at times. Yeah. You know, there's some weird uses of slow-mo and flashbacks and, sure. uh, you know, it's... Again, not like a prestige movie, but we've been spoiled by Lord of the Rings. You know, we've been spoiled by Game of Thrones movies. Um, I know they're, they're fantasies, but movies with a similar sensibility um, set in that period. This is obviously based on some true events from the Roman Empire. Um, these characters are real characters. Maximus has been renamed, but Commodus, Joaquin Phoenix's character, uh, Marcus Aurelius, a real emperor from Roman times. Yep. Um, so I think we've been spoiled as of late by these types of movies. Um, like these kind of epics, you mean? Yeah, I think we assume now that epics are supposed to be like nice and clean and crisp. But this movie is just sort of a little rough around the edges and the action sequences are fun and the filmmaking is a little ambitious and and fringe. But... Uh, it's super entertaining. Yeah. And for a movie that's two and a half hours long, God. I mean, it's it's sort of a miracle. It, I never thought, and I've seen it multiple times, I never found this movie to be slow. No. I never found it to be boring. I was always engaged, and I like the performances enough, and I like the direction enough, and I think it's a fine choice for Best Picture, even though it's a little odd. Sure. I think the weirder thing is uh, uh, Russell Crowe winning Best Actor. Yes. That's bizarre. Yeah, even he's he, not that good in the movie. I don't think he's bad, but no. he, even even he was like, "This is I don't get this." Like literally, he goes up is like, "Okay, this is surprising," but right. whatever. Yeah, I'm of, playing an action star. Yeah, That's basically what he it's an action yeah. role. Yeah, I know. Like when you think about it, it's like, why did he win? Because he didn't win for a Beautiful Mind, which is really bizarre because yeah. that movie almost swept. I know they gave it to. I think they gave him Best Actress, uh, Director, Picture, and Screenplay. Mm-hmm. And they missed out on the sweep because Russell Crowe, who's in every scene of the movie, didn't win. And I think it's, yeah, probably by far his best performance. Oh, by a mile and a half. So, yeah, that was always very confusing to me. And then this gets it. It's like, huh? Uh... This was, I think, the year before Beautiful yeah. Mind. Yeah, it was. What a run for Russell Crowe. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, though, the the, uh, the fact that this movie is an epic, but it's, you know, it's got sort of a, a I don't know. It, it, what's the, It's not pristine. I agree with that necessarily. But... It does have those Lord of the Rings sensibilities, but at the same time, it's sort of just having fun. So right. it's, it's nice to see a movie that's 
a, a quality fun epic like this because we just don't get stuff like that anymore. Yeah. Because like you said, Lord of the Rings is trying to be more than just, you know, a fun movie. And it is, it's often bogged down by the weight of its own material. Sometimes. You know, that's one of my major complaints with Lord of the Rings is that the Tolkien material is so vast and so beloved that Peter Jackson feels the need to make an important movie. And I never felt like Gladiator was trying to be important. No. Even though it is dealing with an important story and, and a mythic story and one that says a lot about humanity, I would say. It's a it's a traditional tale about a spiteful son yeah. and the lust for power and an honorable man that seeks revenge and like this stuff is all very larger than life and mm-hmm. could have been played a lot more uh, a, a lot more pretentiously yeah but it wasn't here and i think that's a tribute to and a testament to will uh, to ridley scott mm-hmm. and and his sensibility to make entertaining movies yes and we've talked about this in the past his movies are beloved alien is a beloved movie gladiator is a beloved movie um his goal is always to entertain yes and that's what I appreciate about the man. He doesn't let his own artistic ambitions get in the way of making an entertaining blockbuster. Unless it's Blade Runner. Unless it's Blade Runner. Yes. In which case, it puts me to sleep for about a half hour. Sure. Not me, but <laughs> right. it does fit the category that you were just talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get, to that. we'll get to that one eventually. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, I really want to you know, rip that Band-Aid off. <laughs> I really do. Soon. Okay. Soon, okay. my child. Soon. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. No, it's just a fun movie. It's not. It's not a movie that I can like like sit back and analyze. It's not really meant for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's just an effective, big budget, epic blockbuster, and it's it's just kind of awesome with a really weird performance by Joaquin Phoenix. Really strange. It, it Maybe my favorite thing about the movie. Definitely my thing, favorite thing about the movie. Like his weird, like, incestual relationship with his sister. Yeah, the whole sister thing is odd. Just everything. Because Every- you never know where that's going to go. No, and it, it ultimately doesn't necessarily, I mean, it almost gets there. But, it, but well, for a while there, they're teasing that Maximus has the romantic relationship with her. Yeah. But they resist the temptation, which I love, by the way. Oh, me too. Because his true love was just murdered and his child was just murdered. So to give him another romantic interest is it's, it's almost too Hollywood. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So I think it's played perfectly. Um, the Joaquin thing I'm with you. I love his performance. I think you could have made an argument that he wins best supporting actor that year. He's just so slimy. Yeah. God, but like, like creepy and evil. And it's just like, again, it's one of those characters. Like if you enter the room with him, you never, ever know what's going to happen, but you almost understand it. Yeah. Kind of. His scenes with Richard Harris, his father, are incredibly compelling. When he breaks down and then murders him, when he's crying and then he, he smothers him with a with an embrace. Oh, yeah. He literally hugs him to death. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Yeah, but there's something so relatable about it. It's like you've been promised this this crown your entire life and now it's being ripped away from you. Yep. I can imagine acting similarly, even if I wouldn't go as far as you've gone. Well, that's just good, like building good character motivations, like having a decision makes sense, a decision that's that important. Right. It's like, of course, you're going to do that. Well, not not if it's you or I, but for, for you know, sort of a, a piece of shit person like this, like, yeah, go for it. You know, and all too often characters make weird decisions like that where I'm just cocking my head like, uh, no, like, you know, in Godzilla. Oh, oh, my God, we didn't do that. <laughs> you just dropped that in. <laughs> At the 11th hour. <laughs> Sorry, people. Whoa. All right. Give me like two minutes on Godzilla King of the Monsters, please. Uh, it's it's getting a slightly bad rep. 
I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what people have been saying. Uh, I think it has a lot more heart than what people are claiming. Like a trem- like like so much more. Like I, I more heart than the first one. Uh, it's. I mean, it depends on how you read the first one. Okay. You don't you don't love the first one. No. I, I I like the first one mostly because I find those characters to be stick figures. I, That's I, how well drawn I find. See, I watched it recently and I disagree with that. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, see, I don't I don't fall into that camp, but I get it. I'm not I'm not totally against you. Yeah. Uh, but in in a way, this movie made me appreciate some of those characters a bit more. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, because this one is is very over the top and exciting, and it's got a mm, it's skewing its sense of humor to such a degree where it's like, oh, it could have almost been a Marvel movie at times. Is it funny? Did you uh, laugh? At, at times, uh, Bradley Whitford's kind of funny. Okay. Um, but it's it's got like that, uh, like it's very self-aware. I mean, the, the end credits music is that go, go Godzilla thing. Oh. So it's like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, mm, I don't like that. Well, you know? given its director, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I appreciated the use of the original Godzilla theme, which I was, as soon as, when I was watching the original, I was like, why the fuck are they not using the original Godzilla theme? There's nothing dated about it. It's one of the more iconic scores ever. It's like, put it in there for God's sake. Okay. It's per, but, uh, and all in all, no, it's just like on just a basic cinematic perspective, it's a lot of fun. All right. Like some, some solid action sequences. Although there's some weird shaky cam elements, which I wasn't fond of. It's not perfectly clear. I don't like the direction nearly as much as the first one. Uh, but I mean, in the wake of like monster movies that you get, I mean, it's loads better than any Roland Emmerich film. It's loads better than Pacific Rim Uprising. Okay. I mean, my God. And uh, yeah, I just think there's some solid performances in the movie. I don't know. So I, Michael Doherty directed, by the yeah, way. Yes. One of our faves mm-hmm. on Why Is This a Thing. Trick or Treat and Krampus are his two previous movies, which are very specific in tone. Yes. But incredibly fun, which I thought would work perfectly for this. And can you like sort of see his voice in that movie or is it sort of in muffled? This? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is the one thing I will also say. I don't know if I would necessarily call this a Doherty movie. Okay. Like again, like Krampus and Trick or Treat are very, very, very specific. I agree with that. Okay. This one kind of could have been anybody. All right. Which is a bit of an issue. And uh, but I, I and I've been tussling with this for a long time. I think honestly, honestly, it, I mean. Millie Bobby Brown has nothing to do in the movie. Oh. That's problem number one. Yeah. Problem number two is, I, and I don't usually come down as hard on movies for this. You know, like, like I mean, there are plenty of Marvel movies where I give them some passes because everything else is great. But the villains in this movie, aside from King Ghidorah, mm. the villains in this movie are unacceptable. So Tywin Lannister, you're referring to specifically, right? And Vera Farmiga. Oh, she's a villain? unacceptable it's quite literally that bad <laughs> okay i was like this li- this reshapes the movie for me because it was such a stupid insane ridiculous fucking decision right. they perform it very well oddly i mean i don't know how they believe in anything they the actors are saying but i'm just like wow guys i mean y- you had five years to make this movie and that's the best you could come up with oh uh, it is it it, it could like if you saw that if you saw it it could single-handedly derail the film for you okay it is such a stupid 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 decision okay it brought it 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 almost brought it down two letter grades for me okay i i think i ultimately left it with like a solid this is a b movie all right it's a fair grade i think for a movie like this okay i don't love it but i do think it's it's being brought down a little harder than what it deserves it's too bad because i saw that trailer and i thought it would be incredible based on that trailer like the visuals I think the teaser was at the beginning of Avengers. Yeah. And 
when Mothra comes out of the, or not, it's not Mothra, uh, the three headed thing. Ghidorah. Ghidorah comes out of the ground and it's, head on three different necks start like surrounding the characters like i thought that was top-notch filmmaking it's great no the monster shit in this is a lot of fun it just looked like the awesome spectacle and that's what i want out of these movies yeah and a lot of personality with these creatures they're not boring at all like especially Ghidorah, because the head the heads all have single brains so they're kind of like biting each other every once in a while and it kind of creates for a funny dynamic nice uh and yeah when they actually the monsters actually have to go at it i'm like this is pretty solid yeah it's just like again like the human characters in this if you're talking just like strictly about the villains just like fuck it is that bad okay and the, and the, the critics were were right on the money with this it's like if they fucked up anything in this movie it's how they chose to to use these characters because whoa jesus all right it's like the movie literally could have been that much better had they just fixed the the, the intentions of the villains right all right well that's kind of a bummer to hear that it's just a b but I like, no, I, people are killing it though yeah no i think they're being way too harsh on the film i don't think like some people like people are saying like it's not that great and i'm like no nah, it's it's not bad at all mm. i actually kind of like it so, anything else about so, gladiator oh uh, it's it's i don't know maybe top five uh ridley scott films for me maybe well maybe it's somewhere close. around that it's close yeah i'm C- with you certainly in my top 10 yeah i mean and certainly an iconic movie man like really iconic. Some of that imagery I said, are you not entertained is a great line, but also father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life of the next. Great stuff. Awesome stuff. Maximus number 50 hero of all time, according to the American Film Institute. We also have to talk about Oliver Reed in the movie. Oh, yeah. And how he died before the filming was complete and they had to uh, kind of CGI his face up a bit. Oh, right. And you would never know that seeing this film. It's one of the better examples of that. Yeah. Uh, he plays Proximo. Yep. Um, yeah, I forgot about that little tidbit. That came up in my trivia research. I didn't have enough time, though, mm-hmm. to write it down. Uh, yeah, it's just an impressive big-budget movie. Yes, I agree. And normally I'm skeptical of movies like this, but maybe it was just I saw it in high school, <sighs> right place, right time sort of thing. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's one of the movies that has a fond memory with me. Although, like... I'm going like better like Ridley Scott films of that era. Like I love uh, like Black Hawk Down. Okay. Like a lot more. Yeah, that's a good one. Like a lot more. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in my like top seven. Yeah. Ridley Scott. Yeah, I for agree. sure. Yeah. Okay. Finally. Almost famous. A movie that nobody talks about. Well, not enough people talk about sure. it. Yeah. But people talk about it. Yeah. It's a beloved movie. Yeah. You know, in, in its circuit. Directed by Cameron Crowe, also written by Cameron Crowe, former music critic and yes, reporter. That's so that tells you a lot about the subject matter of this movie. Starring Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, Kate Hudson, Jason Lee, Patrick Fugit, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> yep. In a small, thankless role. Mm -hmm. A high school boy is given the chance to write a story for Rolling Stone magazine about an up-and-coming rock band as he accompanies them on their concert tour. Winner of Best Original Screenplay, nominated for Best Supporting Actress twice over. That's right. Both Kate Hudson and Frances McDormand both nominated there. And Best Film Editing. This is a movie that I just stand for, man. This is one of the movies where... If you're looking for a 
sleeper hit. If you're looking for the the best movie you've never seen or never heard of, it's the one that I recommend to the most people. It's a hard movie to hate no matter who you are. Like I would recommend this to men, women, young, old, uh, into dramas, into comedies. It has a little something for everyone. Um, I even recommended it to you. And you loved it when you saw it for the first time. Um, it's, I think, in my top 10. I watch it all the time. <laughs> Every time it's on, I flip it on. I find these characters to be so lovable. The performances to be so compelling. And what I love most of all mm-hmm. is that it's a coming-of-age story not entirely about the teenager. Yeah, yeah. Which is such a genius choice and a genius subversion. You're following both the young reporter who is becoming a man and becoming a professional journalist, but also Billy Crudup's rock star, Russell, Mm -hmm. who learns to become a grown man in the process of this movie, along with the literal child. Yeah. And I just find that to be so clever. And I, the more I watch that movie, the more I realize how overlooked Billy Crudup is in it. He is so vulnerable and charismatic and tremendous. It's by far and away the best Billy Crudup performance I've ever seen. Um, and uh, again, I just find something new to love about it every time. What did you think the first time you saw it? Well, uh, this is like one of those movies that it's like I see it. And it's like, oh, fuck you, movie. <laughs> Because I always wanted to make this movie. Right, 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 right. I love every single thing about it. this. Is one yeah. of my th- this as soon as I it's one of those like drive experiences. Is like as soon as I saw, it, I knew it was like one of my favorites. Yeah, this is every like if you want to get a, an idea of how I would tell the story about someone traveling with a band, this is exactly the movie I would make. Right, exactly. I love everything about these characters, all of their charisma and charm. I love where it goes with how complicated it gets with their relationships. I love the the, the elements with him falling in love with Kate Hudson. Yeah, with the love triangle with that and Russell and what they learned through that conflict and the ultimate note it lands on with them kind of coming back to each other and just what that says about these people and at, at a certain point even the music industry uh i just think it's brilliant yeah I, I, there's so much to mine from this it's just such a rich wonderful experience it's like i i don't see how you could hate this movie i love it yeah kate hudson plays penny lane i would say in hindsight an iconic performance like you you see that poster of her with the 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 hazy glasses on um and you think this movie she is so dynamic and so sexy in sort of a mythic way Mm -hmm. not in just a oh you're hot way but a i am fascinated by you way and i want to spend more time with you i just want to listen to you talk (laughs) you know what i mean it's not like a traditional uh um, like Hollywood Scarlet performance. It's so much more deep and layered and rich. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it was influential in that sort of trope. A lot of the, uh, she was one of the sort of original characters. I guess it's sort of a throwback to old Audrey Hepburn. Sure. But she is like the, the woman of your dreams put into text that's going to save your life. Yes. You know, it's something more than just the sexy model, right? It, there's something so boyish about, like, the, like there's this boyish wonder that you get by spending time with her character. Oh, it's she- the boy you dream of when you're sitting in the in your room by yourself on a Friday night when you're age twelve, and that's why it's so authentic to this movie because the POV character is a twelve year old boy. Mm-hmm. 
I, I always found her character to, she always kind of reminded me of Marilyn Monroe in Some Like It Hot. Yeah. Specifically Some Like It Hot. It's just something, because they, they kind of play similar roles, though. And I, I think, uh, but another thing that makes her character just so nice to me is because how authentic she is, but also how I know a lot of people like her. Right. You know, a lot, I know a lot of people that, you know, like, uh, you would, it, like, growing up, it's just like, you're just fascinated by this person. You really like them, but you know that you can't necessarily approach them or you're scared to approach them. Yeah. But in, in getting as close to them as, as you do and becoming, you know, such good friends with them, you start to kind of understand their flaws and how broken they actually are, but you still kind of love them anyway. Mm. You know, it's just, it, that's such a true idea. Yeah. You know? And right. It's like, I am never worthy of this, mm-hmm. but I'll spend a little time around this and you can't help but fall in love. And yep. that's the thing about Penny Lane. Everyone falls in love with every, her. Yeah. In she, this movie, literally everyone, the, every man around her wants to be with her. Doesn't she end up saying that? I think at one point, right. everybody loves me. Every, and it's true. Everybody does love her. Yeah. And, like maybe that's not how romance works. Like no. the relationships in this movie um, feel a little mystical, but it's because we're looking at it through a high schooler's lens into into you know following rock stars on right. the road. Of course, it's going to look that way. Yes, it couldn't look any other way. When right. You think about so it. So when you watch it, it brings you back to how you thought about women when you were fourteen years old. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the first grown woman, like the real grown woman that. Uh, William has ever come into contact with in this movie. Um, so it's understandable why he would fall in love so fast and believe that he could be with her. Yep. Where they're dan- where she almost overdoses yeah. and they're dancing in a hotel room together. Actually, no, she does overdose in that scene. And they're dancing in a ho- hotel room together and he kisses her as she's partly unconscious. <laughs> it's like, man, that is so... It feels so real even though it isn't real. I think the best way I can describe it, because when I saw this film, I thought it struck like a tone that I had never really felt before. The the way I I, I looked at it was that the funny scenes and the dramatic scenes are the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes any sense, right? Like, but they they all and it's not like it's not like in movies where you have drama, 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 levity, drama, 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 levity, 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 drama. It's not like it's not like 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 compartmentalized like that. It literally feels mixed together. Yes, where it's hard to necessarily identify whether or not that was entirely funny or entirely dramatic, but it just feels so balanced and authentic right. because you know, honestly, that's just kind of how everything is. It's I, life. Yeah, it's life. Yeah, but it's life and it's also cinema. Yeah. That's it's it's a big feeling movie. It's an epic movie in many ways. There are a lot of sets, a lot of locations, a lot of characters. The score, man, oh man, yeah. I can't get over this soundtrack, dude. <laughs> like, it, I think it probably helps. The reason why I love this movie and you do too is these are the exact artists that I grew up listening to. Oh yeah, the exact ones. Yep. Elton John, The Beatles, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder. Zeppelin frequently referenced in the movie the sound that is the score of this movie and it's like yeah Tangerine by Zeppelin one of my favorite (laughs) deep cuts Uh, Mona Lisa's in Mad Hatters by Elton John one of my favorite deep cut Elton John tracks Um, my Sharia Moore plays it's like yeah bro like this is my life even though I didn't live it this is the life that I thought I was living at age 14 <laughs> you want to be the kid yeah it's exactly where I wanted to be at age 14 yeah. precisely where I wanted to be I wanted to be I guess the equivalent was I wanted to be a podcaster at 14 he wanted to be a rock journalist <laughs> Pretty close. and Philip Seymour Hoffman is like Mark Marin or mm-hmm. Joe Rogan <laughs> to me like that's all that is it's, Seymour Hoffman is tremendous in this yes. he's in two scenes of the movie oh he's great and uh, it's such a great caricature. 
And look, the reason why it rings so true is because this is a semi-autobiography. Cameron Crowe lived these experiences as a rock reporter, went on tour Mm -hmm. with some pretty kooky bands, many of which never made it, like um, the band in this movie. Um, And it just feels like you're reading someone's memoir. I know. And it feels like these moments actually happened. I wouldn't be surprised if many of them did happen. Oh, yeah. I I, kind of want to look into that. I could have sworn I heard something about the... I, I I think the the plane stalling moment. Okay. I think that actually is is based on a real thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see like like um, Russell jumping off the roof or threatening <laughs> to jump off the roof into the swimming pool. That's got that had to have happened. Although that reminds me a lot of uh uh um what the fuck is his name? More it reminds me of Morrison when he would say I'm the Lizard King. Yeah. All says, right. <laughs> I am a golden god. <laughs> oh, it's great. And then later on, he's like. I didn't say that, did I? Yeah, you did. I did? Yeah. Um, man, it's too bad what happened to Cameron Crowe. What do you mean? He made uh, We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> Listen to this run. Say Anything in 89. Awesome movie, which you haven't seen, right? Nope. Yeah, really good. Jerry Maguire, I like a lot. I'll defend that movie. I like Jerry Maguire. Vanilla Sky, I will also defend, even though most people hate it. It's one of my favorite movie hot takes that I like. <laughs> Uh, vanilla sky and then he just does total shit mm-hmm. since 2000 uh 2005 elizabeth town yep the union we bought a zoo and aloha <laughs> oh man oh man some real garbage and this guy seemed to have a lot of potential poor guy um man uh, i lo- i could go on and on about almost famous it's truly one of my favorites yeah i love it too i love it again it's like yeah what oh, i Pretty much everything about it just just uh, resonates well with me. It just speaks to me in such a unique, interesting it's way. Just, it's so oddly personal, even though I have had no affiliate, pretty much no affiliation with this. The only thing I've I've ever done is take pictures of bands, and that's it. Right. And they're interesting people, but I haven't gotten as intimate with them as uh, the kid does in this. Yeah. Tremendous. Only he could have written it. Yeah. And that's you know I love it when you come across movies like that. Like this could only come from the mind of this guy. Yeah. It's like you will never get a, a Mad Max movie that's not made by George fucking Miller. Same right. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Almost famous yeah. man. If you have not seen it, mm-hmm. maybe like you're looking for a date night movie. Maybe not you, a, you know what? Not a bad. I, I was thinking about it not so long ago. Yeah. Like, Ooh, this is a good one that that Abby and I could really get down to because she would love it. Yeah. If you want to Netflix and chill one night, like mm. absolutely pop in Almost Famous. I love. I really love the scene when uh, they're driving on the bus and Tiny Dancer is playing. Yeah, it's just a great way to to bring these characters back together. Yeah, and they're all singing along. Yeah, I love it. And the the last one to get into it is Russell. It's just like ah, perfect. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Penny Lane. <laughs> what a great movie! All right, here we go. Okay. Well, now it's starting to seem pretty obvious to me. We have our favorite. <laughs> well, I okay. I didn't think it would be. Like this, but all right, I am willing to cross off X Men. Uh, you can, you can. Cr- I guess you could cross off Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, all right. Uh, and honestly, I would probably cross off uh, American Psycho. Um, maybe, yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's it's popular enough. I guess doesn't well again doesn't necessarily need to be popular, but it's I, I don't know if it quite speaks to what we're going for here. Very close, but it's it's. I like leaving that film to the the cults. They can have it. I think you know what. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, right. That's for the cinephiles. Mm-hmm. The movie Hall of Fame. We're we're building consensus, sure. and that movie is anything but a consensus film. <laughs> no. 
I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're left with three movies. Um, I think, interestingly enough, um, wow, I think Memento had the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. I think Gladiator had. I think it has that has think, the best legacy. Yeah, and I think Almost Famous is the best movie. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of in a bit of a in a bit of a dead heat here. A little bit of a pickle. A little bit of a pickle. <laughs> So, I think this is what we do, Adam. What's our favorite fucking movie here? Almost Famous. So, we're done! Yeah! All right! Because <laughs> <laughs> it's our podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. And we do what we want. Fuck all you who disagree with us. Yeah, I honestly think this movie has um, has a lot of legs. And I think that it's grown in popularity over the years. And I wouldn't necessarily call it like a, a hidden gem. I think no. like people are aware that this movie rocks. And I mean, if us nominating it makes more people go and see it, then we've done a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's right too. Cause I also don't think it's the one that you would necessarily think to nominate right away. Right. But I think it's absolutely better than those other two. Yeah. I think gladiator certainly stands above the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's an obvious choice and the Oscars felt that way. And again, I don't think it's a bad choice for best. No, picture. no, no, me neither. Um, but, I, I am pretty good with that. Yeah. I feel good about that, and I will sleep tightly knowing Almost Famous is now in the Movie Hall of Fame. I like those like weird ones that we always throw in every once in a while. Yeah. It's a good one. What Absolutely. Did we, what else did we do? Did we do that with Rosemary's Baby? Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> that one may not age so kindly. Nah. <laughs> I just think it's great that that's the one that we went with. <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. I think someone maybe raised an eyebrow. 2001 A Space Odyssey came out that year, but yeah, uh, it's our podcast. And, and then, we'll do what we want to. And then there's Princess Bride. Yeah, that one I'll be regretting for years to come. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, coming up. Oh, God. Next week. So we were talking about this ahead of time. Yes. We are going to do one of the banner cinematic years. It's one of these that I was looking forward to most when we were <sighs> developing the idea for this podcast. And you were telling me about this and how that, like uh, a couple of podcasters that you listen to consider this the Best movie year ever. Yes. Didn't agree with that at first. Right. And then I went down the list. And then you went down the list. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, y- 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 yeah. <laughs> Could be. A lot has been written about this year. Yeah. A book was just published about this year. Mm-hmm. And the year is 1999. Mm-hmm. So, you came up with a tremendous idea for this. Thank you for citing me. So, there are definitely more than six eligible movies. There are too many. Too plain, many movies. Plain and simple. Just too many movies. Yeah. So, we're going to split it into two weeks. It's an awesome idea. I love it. Yes. You nominate six. Mm-hmm. That will be the Adam edition of 1999. <laughs> Hells yeah. I will nominate six the following week, and that will be an all Nico episode of this podcast. That's correct. And then we will induct two movies into the movie hall of fame. And the interesting thing about it is that one week is going to feel very much like you. And one <laughs> week is going to feel very much like me. And I think if any movie year, uh, warrants this treatment, it's 1999. Yep. So you're up first. You're going to nominate six movies. Those will be the movies we discuss next week. Mm-hmm. And I guess I will then nominate six and that'll okay. give you some time. All right. So go ahead, take it away. Your six Nominees for the Movie Hall of Fame. All right. First off, Fight Club. All right. Of course. 
Then we're going to go The Blair Witch Project. All right. Get that out of the way. Being John Malkovich. All right. So we're at three. Uh-huh. And I would also like to throw on Phantom Menace. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh... I would like to throw on, I said I wasn't going to do that one. Where are you? Where are you? Where? South Park, <laughs> Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Wow. All right. Yeah. I thought about that one for a second, but then I was like, you know what? Yeah. I think I got to do it. All right. I think I got to do it. All right. <laughs> Careful now, dude. I know. I need some help. Uh, you know, you can't. Oh, Jesus. I know what you're doing, but don't do it. I'll get the Matrix out of the way. All right, thanks. We'll do the Matrix. Don't leave me with that. Hmm. I'm going to, because I'm looking at like two right now. Oh, God, this is where it gets difficult. Because, yeah, I think those are pretty solid. And I think this one's pretty solid, too. If you want to go wild with it, that's okay. Can I go wild? I, I, I have to. I have to. I have to do it. All right. Audition. All right. A weird one for a good old Nico. Is that a foreign film? Yeah, it's a foreign film. And you are going to hate me. <laughs> You're going to hate me. This All is. Right. Uh, do you know anything about this movie? No. Uh, uh, you know nothing about this movie. You know no. nothing about the, the third act of this movie. No. no. Okay, I'm not going to tell you a goddamn thing. Okay. You, uh, oh boy. All right, so now you have left me with an impossible decision because you nominated your audition movie. So, uh, all right. I've got to find six now. Honestly, you want my, and this, this it pains me to say this. I don't want your opinion. Why not? What, what? what's your well, opinion? Well, it doesn't, it's not going to factor in. I can at least give my opinion. Go ahead. Freedom of speech, baby. Go ahead. I think if you're going to kick off any of them, I think the first one that comes to mind would honestly be Office Space. All right, no, that's not going to happen. Office cool. space is going on. Okay. All right. All right. Here are your six nominees. For you. For the following week. This is a two-week affair. Yes. Okay. Office space. Okay. The Sixth Sense. Okay. Election. Um, Talented Mr. Ripley. The Insider. <laughs> One more. Uh, tough year oh man you know i got I, uh, <laughs> you really fucked me with audition you know <laughs> it's not that you bad. really fucked me you could just nominate like toy story 2 no i can't man you're what are you gonna do magnolia you don't need to do magnolia i'm i'm debating between green mile Iron Giant, Magnolia, and Three Kings. Okay. Don't put on Three Kings. I like that movie, but I don't think it's I don't think it should be considered. Okay. I what, un- what else I, you got for me? I understand uh, I, I I don't uh, Also the Limey is a is a I sleeper know. in this. I I don't know. I think you gotta go Green Mile. Um, I really do. Let me just pull up one more time. The ringers list. <laughs> Ringer.com. This was a good list. I liked it. What was their number one? They have Fight Club number one. Really? Okay. Yeah. Just make sure I'm not missing anything here. Man, American Pie came out that year. Yeah, I know. But we don't need American Pie. Even though it, there is actually a bit of a legacy to talk about. 
these movies, man. This year was amazing. All right, we'll do Green Mile. Okay. Yeah, all right. Fine. Okay. There you go. And so, then- for next week, <laughs> one last time. This, so th- we're going to do 12 movies total, half next week, half the following week. In the year 1999, you have nominated The Sixth Sense. No, I'm sorry, not The Sixth Sense. Fight Club. Fight Club. The Matrix. Audition. Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. The Blair Witch Project. South Park. Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Correct. And I have nominated Election, The Green Mile, The Insider, Office Space, The Sixth Sense, and The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. Wow. Hell of a year. Solid movies. Oh my God. Solid. The fact that we're doing this at all, (laughs) the fact that we are having a sequel podcast... Solid man And I'm still not sure That I made the right choice I gotta look at one more year I, I wanna see if this will happen again I'm gonna look at uh, Let me see when this came out Best films of 1976 Let's see how that year was I feel like that was an equally great year I'm not sure it was as deep Oh, mm, I, I know what you're talking about I'm not sure it was as deep Oh there's some, there are some Oh yeah ooh. No there are some great ones I'm not no, there are some pretty good ones here. I think we're looking at... Okay, yeah. Well, I think no, we're looking at five solid ones. Yeah, not nearly as deep. It's not like every, sing- every single thing we have to... Yeah, okay, yeah. You're right. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. There are five indisputable classics. I think the actual the nominating class is pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about that, though, at another time. Sure. Okay. Uh, next week, 1999, here on the Movie Hall of Fame... Ooh. 1999, part one. Part one. Adam's edition. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for you to watch The Insider, dude. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for you to watch all those movies. I love them so much. Uh, and uh, that's it. Check, the, check out the website, at TMT underscore media on Twitter. The website is, of course, tmt.media or too many thoughts media.com. A fun why is this a thing was just published yesterday. We talked about... Uh, uh, showgirls right yes we did we finally did that an interesting discussion a movie that nick is in love with it's his favorite movie i think he loves it i think he is in love with elizabeth berkeley yes that performance and that movie so check out that podcast on the website um everything cultured nico show you can get it there we love you so very very much and until next time i live at the american gardens building at west 81st street my name is patrick bateman i'm 27 years old